Okie doke, folks. Welcome back again. Horticulture's Phil Rushkin. This is a, uh, a Tate program because of the holidays, but uh, it's a special program. I wanted to have an opportunity. You know, we've talked about gardeners who don't like gardening, gardeners who love gardening, garden experts who hate do, doing what they write about, all that stuff. But this week is about women gardeners who have influenced me. I'm, I'm talking about my great-grandmother, Pearl, who showed me wildflowers and daffodil bulbs when I was just, called me little professor when I was 10 years old. Uh, my grandmother, Granny Wilma, who only had concrete chicken and zinnias, but she loved them both. By the way, I've got her concrete chicken in my garden. Uh, Louise Rushing, my other grandmother, garden club lady with her, her uh, books of blue ribbons for her African violets and, and uh, her hybridized daylilies and her flower arranging. Uh, she influenced me, you know, f- with a little finesse. And, of course, my mother, Wilma Jean, who mostly just made me drag a rubber tree in and out every time the weather changed. But she showed me how to dig for worms to go fishing with. Uh, also, things like the lady who gave me a potted cactus for a fifth-grade project. I went to Garden Center to do a project on plants, and she just gave me a pot of cactus. First time somebody gifted me a plant. I had to be, what, 11 years old, 10, 11 years old. These women have influenced the way I approach garden, the finesse, the down and dirty, the hokey, the cheesy, the get it done, the, you know, we can do better, all of that. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to talk with several of the women uh, who are around, who have, who have kicked the garden club ladies, master gardeners, and just plain old cottage gardeners who just love what they do. Anyway, we're going to be talking about that. And I'd like to start out uh, with, a, with a, a woman who lives around the corner from me, uh, Jenny. We're going to talk with, with Jenny Nelson, who is from Jamaica. She has a cottage garden that is stunning. It stands out like a Christmas tree ornament, all lit up all year long. Some of the neighbors question about it because she tends to overdo it. But well, I tell you what, I started the conversation by just telling Jenny how much I've wanted to talk with her on the show for such a long time. Well, it's good to be here. And we've always talked about the garden, so we've missed out on anything there. But it's really great to be here with you today. I think the first time I met you, uh, you came scurrying out of your house in, in Jackson because my boy and I were poking around. He was just a little kid. We were poking around the yard. You might have thought I was stealing some of your plants. I don't recall that, but I'm accustomed <laughs> to theft in my neighborhood. It's only, there are some things that I plant far away enough that you've got to be really good to find them to steal them, but some things I don't care. Well, you know, in, in, uh, I visited some of the, uh, the, what they call the gorilla gardens in New York City, mm-hmm. where they design mm-hmm. their gardens uh, for, you know, they have a lot of stickery things mm-hmm. to deter people. You know, there's all sorts of things to do, but some of my plants, I got to admit, I liberate them from other people's gardens without them knowing about it. Well, it's, it's a part of being a gardener. That's what we do. We find things and um, I have a person who watches me like a hawk because he <laughs> swears that I'm going to end up in jail somewhere. And that's why I've got him. If I end up in jail somewhere, he knows what to do. He called the judge. Nobody's going to come bail me out. Maybe maybe, maybe they'll let us have our own little garden in the jail. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> well, Jimmy, and I wouldn't have to cook and clean. Oh, oh the, you know, one of the, the first things that attracted me to your garden, mm-hmm. which attracted me to you, was you have an exuberance about your everything about you, but your garden. And is that... I don't think it's just your Jamaican roots. It's it's really a part of my family roots, and it's a part of who I am. I have discovered that gardens planted in little rows and little squares and stuff are boring. They bore you really quickly. So I have planted my things as more of a jungle kind of a garden, and I find that a lot more satisfying then I find things planted in squares and circles and stuff like that. So, well, And another advantage is if something dies, we don't really notice. Yeah. <laughs> and there's always something else to throw in the circle or throw it in or... Then you've got you have color, you have texture, you have shapes. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of tropical plants that that I wouldn't have thought would survive in yes, central Mississippi. Yes. Have you? It's been a trial and error. Have you lost some plants and you keep trying, or you just I have on? I have lost some, and I have taken the work on to pull some things in. There are some things that are dear 
to my heart and very special. And therefore, when it's going to be cold, I will pull them in no matter what the size of the pot or find a place for them where I know they're not going to freeze there. And we end up both uh, sweeping lizards out the door, too. Oh, yeah, lizards, lizards, <laughs> and tiny frogs sometimes show up and whatever. But and the things that they come, eat. They come, with the, they come with the territory. You know, speaking of territory, uh, you and I both live in a kind of small, not suburban, but small in, s- neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And one time on our neighborhood uh, uh, social thing, somebody complained about your garden, and they got shut down almost instantly. Everybody piled on them because I think you had a neighbor's, what I would call a neatnik. Yes. I have had some problems there with neighbors complaining and neighbors who want, um, I guess what I say is they want a four-by-four bed and they want everything to be in a as they see it. Yeah. And I don't see it like that. I see a garden as a jungle. I see a garden as a place where I can sit out there and everybody goes by the street. Nobody sees me. I can sit out there as long as I want to in mm. any kind of attire I'm in. I am fine because I am not visible from the street, though I'm right very close to the street. Just, just another the flowers out there, Miss Jenny. Well, they're, they're <laughs> who I'm trying to see and to be with, not the people who go by. So it's, it's, it's you know, the way I like things. And some people are very, some people would like to see a different sort of garden. And I always say, well, you know, if you would like that, why not plant one like that there at you your go. house? This is mine, and I'm going to plant it the way I see it as a jungle garden. Well, one of the things that I notice, uh, you know, it's a magic. Your garden is it's small. It's a it's magical a- wonderland, and it mm-hmm. appears from the street that there may not be a design, but in your head, in your heart, there's a design. And I would say that a lot of it mm-hmm. is from the house looking out towards the street, and people are looking at your yard backwards. You're absolutely right. Um, the plants are designed. A lot of them are planted so. On bad days, rainy days, emotionally not so healthy days, those days, I can sit in my at my window and see the plants and rejuvenate myself by just just being though I'm there are walls and windows that separate me. I'm still with the plants, yeah. just visually, and it's also the days when I make decisions on what goes and what's new coming in and those kinds of things. So there are all kinds of things that go into gardening that mm-hmm. console us or vitalize us or whatever we're looking for, we find them in our gardens. Without necessarily having to do a lot of work. I mean, mm-hmm. you probably your neighbors probably spend more time every week mowing the grass than you do. Just put her. You just do things as they need to be done. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I don't know if you remember this, but several years ago, I came home to my little garden, and there was a note on my truck, and I, I have stuck it on my bathroom mirror. I look at it every day. Little note, and you said truck is lots of fun, so nice to be different. There it is, right there. So so nice to be different. That is my writing. I look at that every time I look at a mirror, it's right beside it. So nice to be different. How about that? That is wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. I want to thank you because uh, it is nice to be different, but in a way that's confident, not harmful. We don't mind other people doing different Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. And your garden uh, is inspirational to people Mm -hmm. who wish that they could relax a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Have you ever gotten any arguments with your neighbor or have you caught yourself lecturing your neighbors or you just too gently just say, bless your heart and let it go? I don't discuss a lot of things with my neighbors. I let them decide what if they like it or if they dislike mm. it and they I let them handle it whatever it takes because if I had somebody ask me one time uh, if don't I care about what my neighbors think and I used to say I don't care and then I realized well I, I do care what they think but you know Jenny it doesn't matter. It, right, I do care right. but I'm going to let it go. Mm-hmm. What what about influences on your garden? Who's do you have any garden from back home or or this yes. home or that home? Because you've lived in several homes and you accumulate yes. experiences. Yes. yes. Um, my mom 
and her sibling, my aunt. My aunt I lived with my aunt mm. through elementary school. She was a school teacher, and she was an avid gardener, and mm. so was my mom. And where was that? This was in Jamaica. Jamaica. Uh-huh. They grew plants and gardens. My um, there was something called the Denby Fair, and it was a it was a fair, a big annual fair, but mm. there was a part dedicated to gardening mm. and prizes and that kind of thing. And my aunt especially was just really excited about her exhibit, exhibits at this fair. Was, was my she... mother didn't do a lot of exhibiting anything, yeah. but we also grew flowers for the church as we worshipped in. Mm. And that was also very important in our family. Um, the church had to be decked on Sunday morning, and our churches, both my mom's and my aunt's church, we were Episcop- We are Episcopalians. Mm-hmm. I've always been Episcopalians, and the church had to be groomed each. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the silver had to be pa- polished on the night before, and next morning the altar had to be decked, and flowers would be a big part of the. So, putting so the altar together. So part of part of it is ritual and tradition, yes. but a lot of it is sharing. Yes, is sharing. Yes. Uh, yes. Because uh, when you move from Jamaica, I know you brought some, some, I'm gonna call them memories or feelings, but a, a yearning for color, I bet, and texture. Because when I've been in the Caribbean, it's just yes. people paint their houses. Yes. Here we don't yes. paint our. So, we, uh, we, yeah, we, you don't even so, paint your front door here yes. without people talking about you. Yes. Yes, well, that whole idea of colorful things, I think, is is deeply ingrained in my biological mm. upbringing and where I lived and my family rituals and mm. those kinds of things. Um, well, you certainly uh, you you have colored up the whole neighborhood. I oh, mean, yeah. the the textures, the yes. shapes, the sizes. There's always something in bloom. Always some berries. There's always something going on. Always something needs to be done. You you made me remember something. My aunt, the school teacher, we lived on the school premises, the cottage, the school, and the church was just across the street, the Episcopal mm-hmm. Church. And she would actually go out and get in a prayerful mode, talking to her flowers, expecting certain ones to bloom by Sunday. And if, especially if it was the Sunday when the bishop was coming, we would scour the neighborhood and solicit plants from every, flowers from everybody who had flowers because the altar had to be really decked. Yeah. And the outdoors everywhere, there had to be pots of plants and just, just this whole greenery and this whole colorful service that our bishop is coming, and we honor him with these. Well, and, and I, I, I do appreciate your time today, but I, I have one more question. That, sure. This, this really I've been thinking about a long time is your garden is, is, is sort of an outreach. It's, you know, you're gardening for yourself, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of heart that you put on the curb mm-hmm. for other people to, mm-hmm. to, to avail themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is this something that's, this, that you think about, or is it just in you? I think it just it's something that I grew up with I grew up with a servant attitude. We we were fortunate we were able to employ people to work for us, but we still grew up with a service attitude mm-hmm. in our family and we found ways to serve and that was tremendously important in my family. Mm-hmm. My dad did not go to church. He did not participate in the rituals, but he was a big part of the service industry of the mm-hmm. community, and so was my mom. And that, I think, developed in all her children to continue this this attitude of service in whatever form you could. Well, as as a as a retired nurse, you know, you mm-hmm. when you retired from from being a, a nurse, you work with 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 troubled people. I do. And I, I your do. garden has got to be a solace to you. But have you been able to use that beyond just your garden? Have you taken been able to take your garden from the confines of your yard into other people's lives? Is I think ju- so. I think so. Um, I have not necessarily followed up to see what they do with right. it. But, um, you I plant give, the seeds. I plant the seeds. I give away a lot of plants. Mm-hmm. 
I share plants, and that kind of stuff has always been a part of who we are in terms of passing along um, plants and giving away plants and stuff like that and taking flowers when I worked. And I always made sure the office was filled with flowers, um, the people's desks. Um, so it spilled over. Yes, absolutely. So well, it, it there were gifts we had. I grew up poor, um, but very wealthy, very rich in all of the things that were not measured as a part of wealth. And those are the easiest and the hardest to share. Yes. Because you can't quantify it. Yes. You have to, it's a quality, it's not a quantity. Well, one, one, one way to, to we, we learned in our, from our mom and in our household was that we shared what we had. We were blessed with I didn't think we were rich growing up. I didn't think we were that fortunate, but my parents did mm. think we were, compared to the rest of our community, mm. that we were extraordinarily fortunate. Mm -hmm. And we were raised with this mentality of good fortune and the need to, to share it, to pass it along. My dad was very, very open, very... He was not highly educated, but you would never know it. Mm. He um, he was friends with the governor general. Yeah. He was friends with the pauper. He was friends with everybody. And he got you told. He wasn't just your friend that I'm going to agree. He yeah. was somebody who's going to tell you straight up what he thinks and how he thinks. And I, I can't imagine where you got that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that at all. Are I'm a right? shy little girl. <laughs> I don't have that. No. Well, uh, Jenny, um, your garden is an inspiration to me. And please use it anytime you feel like it. It's and always open. That's why I live on a main street. I will not move from my street mm. because the garden is there. And it's a big part of, I think maybe you used the word earlier, and I never thought about it like that. It's kind of a ministry to the community. Mm. Well, I brought you a little pot of plants here, but I got a feeling if you've been by my truck, you probably have some of these plants already from my truck. <laughs> I do have some, but I would love to keep them. No, but what I'm saying is it's... you didn't already get them from the back of my truck. I know how you are, Jenny. Uh -huh. <laughs> he knows I steal plants. <laughs> Thank you so much well, for joining. Look at his face. He knows that I steal plants. Well, where do you think I got those? I don't know. You they stole them from, from somebody your, else. They might have come from your car. I don't. I but, don't think I have these. Well, they're hardy outside. Well, Jenny, wow. thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. What a, what a pleasure. And uh, let, I, I got some plants. I'll swap with you. Oh, anytime you want to swap, feel free to. Um, you can swap for anything. Okay, well, sounds fun. Thank you because again, everything Jenny. Everything grows back in my yard. And, uh, my neighbor will be pleased to see some things go. <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you. All righty, folks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jenny Nelson. Again, what a wonderful garden and inspiration, too. Uh, I want to talk with all sorts of people who have influenced me over the over the decades. Uh, but we're going to take a real quick break and uh, come back in, uh, in just a, a minute or so with Shara Owen, who is the past president of the Garden Clubs of Mississippi, who gardens herself. And she loves native plants and talking with children and accessorize her garden. You'll hear all that. The main thing is me and Java are having a good time right now, getting ready for, for this uh, end of the year by wrapping things up, talking with the women who have influenced me who garden. I hope you're enjoying it. Keep in mind that if you have questions, we're going to give information at the end, but it's garden at mpbonline.org. And uh, even though it's a tape program, we're having a good time talking with the women who have influenced me by their gardening. We're going to be right back with more Gestalt Gardener and more women who garden right after this. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. Can't get to a radio? Well, don't worry. MPB Think and Music Radio are available online and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB Think Radio. 
donating your change to MPB just got better. Visit mpbonline.org support. Change donors are now change sustainers with instant benefits like passport streaming video and home delivery of our fine-tuning program. If you'd like to give a set amount every day, now you can. Donations are charged directly to your card, which means you can earn points and a tax deduction. Visit mpbonline.org support and become an MPB change sustainer today. All righty, folks, welcome back. Uh, hope you've enjoyed that. We're going to uh, come in and talk with Shara Owen. Shara is a past president of the Garden Clubs of Mississippi, and I started out by telling her how much I love the way she accessorizes her garden. I love accessorizing. <laughs> I love fun. I love fun. You've got you've got bottle trees. You've got you've got carving things. You've got d- dinnerware. You've got all sorts of stuff, and it's whimsical, but it's it makes you smile. Good, good. So wh- wh- I love the, I love the the um, the natural. I love copper things. I love wooden things. Uh, that's the kind of earthy things. But I do have some gazing balls. <laughs> well, you know, it brings a little color out there. You you have a beautiful country garden outside of New Albany, a woodland garden. I'm going to say one of the finest woodland gardens in the South because it has got everything. And you spent how, how long have you been planting stuff in that garden of yours? In the woodland garden out back, probably. Well, I first started on a north-facing hillside, so a lot of good stuff was there after we cleared away the invasives. Good stuff. You mean uh, stuff that stuff that was worth not cutting down and other people call a weed but you thought was right. pretty? Right. <laughs> right. All that good stuff. Uh, anyway, after we removed the, the invasives, I started um, mo- moving things in the, from making paths, moving things from the paths into beds. And I started that about 1986. Yeah. And one of the ways you, you, you create your path is when you cut down a tree or something, you just lay the limbs on either side of the path, and that makes the path. And it's nice and, and friendly and woodsy. Hey, the ice storm gave us lots of material edging. <laughs> But you you've got so many unusual I'm not gonna say unusual they're 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 good native plants but they're unusual to find them in anybody's garden. Some of you can't even buy at garden centers to speak of. You just have a love of these native woodland plants. I do see we're we're right we're on the Pontotoc Ridge, which is right at the tail end of the Appalachian. Uh huh. And we we grow those plants here naturally that you would see in the, say, the Smoky Mountains uh-huh. up in the upper Appalachians, except for the higher elevations. Yeah. So those plants are, are here natively, those which haven't been destroyed. If we still have the uh, all the varied woodlands. Um, you know, you have so many... You have so many different kinds of, of, of native plants, and some are what a lot of people, a lot of gardeners don't appreciate them. They're called spring ephemerals. They just come up at the last end of the winter. They bloom. They look great, and then they disappear, you know, like uh, like the, the woodland flocks and, and the trilliums and things like that. You know, you have to really pay attention, be a special, uh, uh, special attention and notice those kind of plants, and you have them everywhere. Thank you, Felder, for that compliment. It's not a compliment. It's a fact. You got these plants. You got more trillium and more native spring ephemerals. Most people are going to want something that's going to be there all year. But I bet you can look out in your garden and in the middle of this August see a bare spot that other people and see all sorts of stuff in your mind and your heart. Can we can something for every day. And to keep up with it, you actually have to go out and visit it every day to keep up with what's going on. It happens so fast in the month of April. And and, and, and you are you, you are visiting. You're not actually gardening that time of year. You're enjoy, you're savoring what you've done. And it, actually not what you've done, what you've collected. Absolutely. Sharing with others. I, April's the month March and April's the month that uh, are good for sharing because the leaves are not on the trees and the sun's coming through to the ground and that's when those plants like to bloom. One of the things that, that uh, you know, in your garden, I noticed, and you do have a lot of, uh, you have a stumpery. Not many people even know what a stumpery is, but where where trees would die, you would just pile the stumps up and, and grow ferns and moss on it. I love using what God gives us. 
And, you know, it rots down and becomes the earth, and you have to move those uh, those carved owls that I have, have to move them <laughs> to another stump or another place. I and never, that's fun. I never really thought about moving moving garden art from, from stump to stump as, as the stumps recycle themselves. What, what is yeah, it? Yeah, stump people, they have to look to see where it is next year. There you go. Well, uh, one of the things that, that I noticed that when you're out there, you, you have a lot of children come to your garden, too. You've been really involved uh, with, with, with youth garden education, with the, particularly the native plants. Oh, I, I love it. I love children in the garden. They find things that I don't find. What do you mean? The last, uh, the, the last uh, program with children I had out here, we were looking for fruits, nuts, and berries in the fall. Mm-hmm. And then for habitat. And they'll find holes that, uh, they'll find big holes, they'll find things in trees that I don't see. And then there they are. And did they? You know, the hummingbird nest on the ground, they'll find and pick up, and then we'll save it. And, uh, and, you wouldn't be- you wouldn't believe how many berries are out there. Um, and then that creates little teachable moments where you can share other things, where you does. can sort of spread spread out their knowledge. They, they, you pick it up on the interest. Well, this is something that the Garden Clubs of Mississippi... And by the way, I don't know if you know this. My great-grandmother was a charter member of a garden club in Indianola back in 1935. And uh, and I was made an honorary member of the Garden Clubs of Mississippi back in 1990, but they said, I'm not a lady. What an honor. <laughs> what's, what's it going to take for, <laughs> for, the, for me to become a garden club lady? <laughs> I think you're just great doing what you're doing. So what, what, you, what you got next? What's coming up next, Shara? Probably the first thing... We'll be getting the garden ready for the spring walks. I open my garden in April and give uh, walks and talks about food, medicine, folklore, stories. So just getting that garden ready and then home and garden show in New Albany, April 6th. Which I'm going to be at, by the way. Yeah, we have a great speaker, Felder Russian. <laughs> well, <laughs> Well, well, listen, we need to scoot, Shara. Um, I appreciate you spending some time. You know, this is a, a perspective a lot of people just don't hear. You know, people aren't members of garden clubs who, who haven't visited the Faulkner Museum, who haven't had the pleasure of meeting you or walking around your wonderful, not just your woodland, your, your whole garden, but the woodland garden. You know, this is an opportunity to get a little little peek into what really goes on. And it's lots of work. Don't ever let anybody tell you it's not. But it's fun, fun, fun. Okay, note, folks, hope you enjoy my conversation. Shara Owens, she represents the Garden Clubs of Mississippi. Really enjoy everything that they've done for the whole state, and particularly for me. Uh, I thought even though it's middle of the winter, the solstice had just passed, how about some summertime music from uh, one of the sweetest local voices, a sweetheart who sings Homegrown Tomatoes. She's the lead singer in the D-Lo Trio. There ain't nothing in the world that I like better than bacon and lettuce and homegrown tomatoes. Up in the morning, out in the garden, pick you a ripe one, don't get a hard one. Plant them in the spring, eat them in the summer. All winter without them is a culinary bummer. I forget all about the planting and the digging. Every time I go out and pick me a big one, homegrown tomatoes, homegrown tomatoes. What'll I feel without homegrown tomatoes? The only two things that money can buy, that's true love and homegrown tomatoes. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone. Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. Here's how to be a good contestant on Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Tip one, if you don't know the answer, guess. Driving Michael Phelps. <laughs> Could I say right now that I would totally watch the TV show Driving Michael Phelps? Remember what show you're on. That is correct. We're not on Jeopardy, but you're right. Tune in and shout out answers every week on Ask Me Another. Saturday at 11 on MBB Think Radio.
Okie doke, folks. Hope you enjoy that little ray of sunshine. Solstice's past is going to be tomato time soon. Hey, let's continue our conversation with women who have inspired me by how they garden by talking with the woman who is taking care of this wonderful old cemetery in Jackson called Greenwood Cemetery, Cecile Wardlaw. My official title is executive director, but I go by cemetery lady. Thank you for joining me. I mean, we have been gardening, I guess, buddies for a long time. Absolutely. Well, I was in your last Master Gardener class. That was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. You know, when I was doing, I started the Master Garden, I thought I was going to be teaching gardening, and it turned out to be junior horticulture. But that's okay, because you got them both down. Well, it really got me launched. I liked gardening before, but I... I had a whole lot of hit and miss and a lot of miss. Well, you were born and raised in Jackson. You've seen a lot of changes, but you're still pretty close to where you were born and raised. You know, you were in Bellhaven now. You're in Fondren. Uh, but the garden you're in now is, is big. It's I mean, big. I mean, your your garage is bigger than my house. It's a it's a big <laughs> yard, but you instead of wall to wall grass, you've got sw- swaths of grass. Grass more like pathways, and shrubs and trees and understory trees and shrubs and perennials and flowers and raised bed gardens. How do you do it all? It's a big garden. Well, I've been doing it for 20 years. And when we first moved in, it was all grass yeah. and pine trees and a row of overgrown azaleas that were almost up to the eaves of the house and made yeah. the house look like a mushroom. So your house was surrounded by plants, but mostly grass all the way to the street. It was grass and um, pine trees, which my husband hates, and so we cut down five pine trees immediately. Poor Bill. <laughs> and then he got a riding mower, and mm-hmm. he thought it was fun for a little while to get on his mower and ride around. And one day he came in and said, this is just too much for me to mow. And I said, just hang on there because it's going to be less. Yeah. So, so you basically just took it a, a, a bed at a time, an air at a time. When did you start planting stuff down around the street? Because you have almost a European-style, cottage-style garden because it's completely surrounded by plants except for the drive and the, and the, and the, the walkway. Well, part of that was to keep Bill's mower off the hill. <laughs> <laughs> I planted azaleas on the hill so he wouldn't have to mow it. Yeah. And, um, then I planted daylilies on the other hill, and um, that's Just, that was a lot of my planning was to make it safer, actually. And and gradually eat up the space. And you've got it now to where instead of wall-to-wall grass with patches of plants, you've got wall-to-wall plants with paths of grass. Right. And it's and, and it's not snaky. I mean, they're 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 generous sized paths, but when I go when I walk by your garden, I see something in bloom or something flower, something texture every week of the year. That did, did, you had to learn that in horticulture school or something. Well, I guess I learned it from you. I got oh, no. started, and then I started buying books and reading and studying and looking around at other gardens. But I I, I love having something in bloom all the time. Well, and how many of the plan? This is a weird thing, but you, you're being you're a master gardener. You're also a member of the Garden Clubs of America. We've only got, I think, four uh, uh, GCA clubs in Mississippi. Right, might, might be five, but it's just four. Just four. Jackson is is the most recent, and we've been around about twenty years. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. But it, it, I, I know that uh, there's a lot of plant swapping going on because we're talking about hardcore gardeners. For sure. Yeah, but nice gardens, usually big gardens. A lot of a lot of them have have help with the mowing and the stuff like that, but you do it all yourself, you and Bill. Well, we this year we had to break down and get somebody to mow because Bill had problems, but um, that's all. Yeah. We, somebody mows and, and they edge, and, of course, they didn't do that to suit me. I had to go back and, <laughs> and point out where they weren't doing that quite up to my standards, but they've improved. Well, one of the, one of the things that, that I notice is uh, because you have something in, in season Every, I mean, all, all the time. There's something out there. Do you, when you walk around, you ride around, you go to other gardens, you see something, you plan ahead what you're going to plant, or you just see it, got to have it, and stick it someplace. Uh, some of both. Uh-huh. Sometimes, if it's if I'm somewhere, particularly if I'm out of town and I see a plant that I'm not familiar with, then I think the chances of getting it in Jackson might be slim, and so I'll get it if I can and bring it home. Have you ever dug up a plant when nobody knew about it? Probably. <laughs> Probably. That was a nice little demure look you just gave. We all have. If, yeah. you know, if you, you, You're not a real gardener if you don't have some things that came by hook or crook or under the fence. But uh, some of the plants in your garden have got to have come from with memories. For sure. Yes. I know where, where the peonies came from. Um, I know that the 
um, chrysanthemums, two different kinds of chrysanthemums, originally were from my mother's garden, and though I didn't get them directly, she gave them to friends, and the friends then shared them with me when I moved to that house. And you, know, I already want one of those white ones. You, but you got you, your name it, it seems to be it's one of those that if a plant doesn't perform for you, do you keep babying it for a while or what? Uh, if it doesn't perform, is it a challenge? It usually it just disappears. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, if it's not putting on a show, then I forget it's there. Well, you've been, you were executive director of, of the Greenwood Cemetery in downtown Jackson, but you call yourself the Cemetery Lady. True. Why? What? What, what got you involved in all that? Uh, you got family there. I've got five generations of family there, and um, now this is a cemetery that goes back to the 1820s. That's right. It's the oldest cemetery. It's it was the original cemetery in Jackson. Yeah. It's the oldest landmark in Jackson, just north of the state capitol. And um, my family's there, so my mother used to take me about once a week. We'd go ride by and just check on things at the cemetery. And her yard man lived right across the street from the cemetery. Mm-hmm. So if she didn't have something for him to do at her house, she'd tell him to go to the cemetery and do something, clean up. Uh, not the right way to clean monuments, but that's no, nothing we can do about that now. Yeah. But um, actually, Bill, Bill retired as a banker. And we went to a meeting of the Cemetery Association, mm-hmm. and they said, what we really need is a treasurer, because the who would, person who was treasurer yeah. had died. And I said, oh, you can do that. I'll help. You just have <laughs> to send out the dues. And so we went to volunteer him for that, and yeah. they said, oh, by the way, we have combined the secretary and treasurer positions. Oh, yes. Here we go. So we go. that made slope. me the secretary. Yeah. And then it seemed like I was the person who... Um, was always there when something happened. If something was going on at the cemetery that I didn't like, I wasn't shy about calling the news. So, so when when or I, the mayor's office years ago, when when a guy named Doctor Dirt and I started planting roses out of the cemetery, you were right there. I mean, you were right there. And I don't, how many roses are there in Greenwood Cemetery now? I did a survey a couple of years ago, not naming them, but just trying to identify. And uh-huh. there were something over a hundred. You know, we lose some and we gain some. Yeah. So I don't, not sure. Um, that's one of my ongoing projects is to actually know what they are, not put labels on them, but, but yeah. be able. If somebody says, "Do you have such and such kind of rose?" I can tell them where to go look for it. And these are roses that bloom pretty much, you know, from. Off and on, all spring, summer, and fall. That's right. They don't they don't get spray. You don't spray them. No. Maybe they get fertilized. What every four or five years, maybe. maybe. And they get pruned if they get too big. Yes. And these are plants that dead people can grow. That's right. And some of them are probably blooming right now this week. Yeah. In the, in end of the year. Also, they're bulbs. There's perennials. There's something. You're, you're turning it into your yard, Cecile. Well, there are old camellias there. Yeah, old camellias, old crepe myrtles. I mean, it's a, it is a, a 12-month garden. It is. And I have found old newspaper articles from the 1880s when the ladies were complaining that they had put nice plants in and somebody had taken them. So the ladies have been taking care of that cemetery for a long, long time. Well, it used to be uh, all these garden park type cemeteries. They were the bota- early botanic gardens in America, and a lot of them fell out of out of uh, use and disrepair and all like that. But, you know, you're bringing it back. And there's a lot of people who come to Jackson just to f- look at those. I mean, they visit Eudora's, you know, uh, grave and all that. But they come there to see the roses, and the bulbs are coming along, too. You they got, are. And, you, you know, I've, I've found some of those old-timey ones that you've had to help me identify. That My great-grandmother grown that, and uh, it's uh, a kind of plant where, you know, there's probably not 10 people in the state know what it is, and bam, there it is in the cemetery. And you not only took care of them, made sure that they're going to stay where you put them, but you took some home, too. Yeah. In case it. something happens to the cemetery, <laughs> right. you can put them back. Well, that patch, there's a huge patch in the cemetery, but they're in deep shade. Yeah. And between monuments, and they do get mowed every now and then, but well, so it doesn't seem to bother them. You, you know, you and uh, some of the master gardeners that I know and some of the garden club ladies that I know are are driven to do things, to get it done, to to keep it going, to share with others, to be involved in civic, civic things. You know, the cemetery is one of yours and uh, some other uh, things. But what what do you get out of gardening? It's not just something to get out of the house, is it? What do you get out of gardening? <laughs> well, I do like I do much prefer that to housework. So <laughs> it's a good excuse, but I just enjoy the beauty of it and just it's fun for me. It's 
it's hard work and it's it's a whole lot of pleasure all at the same time. Who is your garden inspiration? Has there been one or is it just something that's just, is in you and it's got to come out? It's in me and, and just all the gardens that I, I love to visit gardens. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a member of the Southern Garden History Society yep. and, and go to their meetings usually every other year. Yeah. And so we always go to see wonderful gardens there. And I always come home with some idea that I'm going to find a place for. And you met a lot of other people who got these ideas. Of, you know, I, we could drop names like Greg Grant and mm-hmm. Bill Welch and all of these folks who've done so much with the garden history, but they're not living in the past. They're gardening today mm-hmm. with what survived from the past. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lessons that are being carried forward. Instead of just individual garden efforts, it is a big community effort to create that sense of place. Absolutely. And and the old plants, I know that there's a big industry of, of new hybridized plants, but the old ones have proved themselves. And, yeah. And, I, you know, there is a little streak of laziness under me, and I want to plant something that I know is going to stay and work and do well. Without not, adding to your workload. Right. Right. So I, I tend to use a lot of yeah. old plants. Well, Cecile, I really appreciate I mean, I appreciate your garden. I appreciate being able to walk by it. And also, I'm going to appreciate a piece of that, your mama's white chrysanthemum. <laughs> I got something I'll swap you for it. Oh, good. I love to swap. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Cecile. And uh, she's a she's a real active master gardener. But there's another master gardener who's supported this program for a long time and does a lot of stuff in the community. Let's go down to Crystal Springs and talk with Shelly Batiste. How are you doing? I'm doing so far so good. You know, I, I wanted to talk with, with women who are gardeners who have inspired me. And we haven't met that much. We have, you know, we were bumping each other at Master Gardener events and, you know, things here and there, plant swaps. But you have, you moved from West Virginia to Mississippi. You've been down in Crystal Springs about eight years, and you got the coolest little cottage garden that is the talk of the town. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. It's sort of a compliment because, you know, I've got a, a quirky garden too, but you have the most outlandish Halloween garden with your gourds and all that stuff out there what do the neighbors think other than the fact you're not from around here well i haven't heard anything negative you know if someone's got something negative to say i guess they're just keeping it to themselves but for the most part everyone just loves it people stop by and talk to us when we're out in the garden and you know, we're always happy to talk about it they they love the front yard pumpkin patch and the the thing that was so much fun to talk about this year was the fact that we did not intentionally plant any of them this year. They all came they back. They came up. <laughs> which means, well, the, which... the, the fairy tale pumpkins have been the most prolific, and they came up out of the compost because you know we can't eat them all. These are edible pumpkins, mm-hmm. and a lot of them do end up going to the compost, and those seeds just want to sprout every year. It's it was a... so much fun this year watching them do what they wanted to do. Ain't no way to mow the grass. Uh, We're shooting for no grass. It's got to be a lot. I mean, you know, you work full time when you get home. Yes. This in the wintertime is dark, but I know you still do stuff on the weekend. But little at a time, as you as plants got bigger or you found more plants, you just made the beds a little bigger, a little bigger. At right. what uh, what point does the maintenance become a nightmare? The maintenance is always a nightmare, honestly, and. You know, I, I try not to worry about it too much. I mean, right now, I went out there and made the mistake of spilling some ryegrass seed. Oh, no. And I've got that stuff sprouting everywhere, and I need to get out there and pull it. But I'm just I'm not going to worry about it. If I get out there and pull it, I'll pull it. And if I don't, it's pretty. It's the most beautiful green I've seen in December. And you can always put, like, a concrete bunny out there. <laughs> Or a December jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Who inspired you to do all that? There's just something you've got to do to get away from work and all like that. What makes, what compels you to do this? Well, you know, I'm not really sure, but I, I, my great-grandmother, Bobby, we called her, is the gardening woman who inspired me. And I always say, you know, grow up the things. And she's the one that inspired me to do that. And she, um, and this was up in West Virginia, of course. And she grew everything, and, you know, she always had half-runner green beans, always had tomatoes out in her garden, always had spearmint and peonies. Pineys, pineys. You know, I can't, pineys, she called them pineys. Yeah. I can't look at peonies without hearing her say pineys. <laughs> 
And when I'm out in the garden, yeah, I, I think of her often. And I guess that's just, you know, a way to connect with, you know, my heritage. Um, maybe that's where it came from. I guess there's a lot of fond memories there. Well, I, I know, you know, with, with full-time job and all like that, you know, there's 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 not as much time on there, and the heat, the humidity, and the insects and the weeds and stuff like that. But you told me that gardening sort of brings you mostly brings you peace. It does. It really does bring me peace. And there are some snacks along the way, but I try to follow your philosophy of slow gardening. Uh, in, in fact, I bought another copy of that book and gifted it to my boss just this morning, and he is so excited. <laughs> well, good, good, good. Well, you know, and, and I noticed that you grow flowers, perennials, annuals. A lot of those you get from Master Gardens, but in, in, in other garden people and, you know, the experiment station there at Crystal Springs. But you grow food mixed in with your flowers. Is that because they're prettier? We do. Well, a lot of reasons. Um Partially for the, you know, the pollinators, you know, keep them all dancing around everything. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of it comes from listening to your program and reading, reading the gardening books and watching stuff on the Internet. Um, my, my favorite thing to grow in the garden food-wise is that burgundy okra. It is just gorgeous. And it won't so stop. It's a flower. It won't stop yeah, either. It's a flower and food, both. And then when we're done with that, I make Christmas ornaments out of them. <laughs> uh, I spray painted. I spray painted mine red, you know, and, and and stuck them in some pots. And people think that it was red. And I, th and I said it was red till it frosted, then it turned brown. So I spray painted it red because it's supposed right. to be red. Right, right. But yeah, I love to grow food amongst the flowers and just mix everything together. And I tell you what's really cool is when everything when, when some things reseed themselves. I've got this lettuce that comes back, and it's a really light, vibrant green. It's just beautiful, and it's one of the ruffly lettuces, loose-leaf lettuce. Is it sweet? I don't remember what it's called. Is it sweet? It is, pre it is pretty sweet. I call it forever lettuce because it just keeps coming back. What 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 you want to bet because you were real close with the master gardeners there and and by the way I've said it on the on the Gestalt Garden several times there in Crystal Springs in Copiah County y'all are the only master gardening group that I that I know of that does what master gardeners supposed to do and that's teach people in the community how to garden all the time and what you want to bet everybody well, we what what you want to bet you you're sharing seeds of that list with everybody and and the burgundy okra. <laughs> I bet. Well, I, I can't tell you how many people I did seeds to off of the purple hyacinth bean that vine that grew on our front arbor amongst the Peggy Martin rose. And so I've been sharing that. And in October, the last Saturday of October, I host a fall garden tour every year. And this year we took cuttings of the Peggy Martin rose, and I've got several people that are starting that too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we love to share it, share the love. Well, did it ever occur to you? And you're just a young thing, but did it ever occur to you that some of your neighbors, the kids in the neighborhood, might look at you like you used to look at your great grandmother about all those flowers and the weird lady with all the flowers in the yard art and stuff like <laughs> that? Did, did, did ever? Did you know you're going to grow up to be this way? No. No idea. I knew I was going to be a cat lady. I didn't okay. know I was going to be a garden lady. <laughs> you got cats and dogs and gardens with cat. <laughs> but you know, it, it might... got catnip out in the garden, of course. It's a you know it's an attitude thing. It's a it's a sort of a soulful thing. To uh, cat ladies in garden and in gar cottage gardeners have that same kind of attitude about we we care what the neighbors think, but it doesn't really matter. That's that's true. You know, keep it within our boundaries. So what and if you, what, what, okay. anything that grows over the fence, I give it to that neighbor. Let me ask you something, Shelley. Have you ever done anything in your garden on purpose to honk off the neighbors? Huh? I don't think so. Have you I, done? No, some, I, I don't. I don't think so. Come on, all your Halloween stuff. Well, well I, don't, I don't know if that bothers anyone, but I can tell you, I wouldn't care if it did. But <laughs> there you they go. still bring their kids to our house. We usually have five or six hundred trick or treaters. Wow. So in other words, so yeah, it's you, fun. you're doing this stuff because it's in you. It's got to come out. You're not making a statement. No, I just I gotta I just gotta garden. I gotta grow all the things. Well, let me ask you this: Do does your garden look best from the street or from the porch? Which way is it? Does which way do you see it? 
it's definitely from the porch. And, you know, that's what a cottage garden should be. It's meant to be seen. It's meant to be inside experiencing it. But I do, you know, I do some front decorations for the purpose of looking at it from the street. But it's, it's mostly from inside. It's a personal thing. It is a personal thing. And, and anyone is welcome to come and experience it as yeah. well. There you go. We're gonna have to scoot. We're gonna have to scoot. I really appreciate it, Shelly. You've you've been an inspiration yeah. to me. You know, your work with the Master Gardens, your enthusiasm, all that, and you, and you have a sense of humor about it too, <laughs> which is, <laughs> as you know, is kind of lacking in horticulture. It, sometimes it is. That's true. That's true. So what? The last thing. What makes you laugh in your garden? That 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 you can talk about on the radio. The, <laughs> we have a chipmunk gardening friend who grew sunflowers for us all year. What? He would, yeah, he would. T- we think he lives under our sidewalk, but he goes up to the bird feeder and takes the black little sunflower seeds and plants the little bunches of sunflowers throughout the garden. So every and forgets about them. So he forgets about them. Yeah. Em. So we would get a bunch, a little bunch a little bouquet of sunflowers here and there all year, and we just love it. And we you le- giggle. And, and you leave them. It. Other people would cut them down and pull them up, and you just garden around them. It's an opportunity to plant some more lettuce. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Shelly, I love your attitude, lady. Appreciate it. You've been an inspiration <laughs> to me, and I wanted to share with everybody else about it. All right, Felder. I'm glad to do it. Thank you so much for okay. being you. Okay. So, oh, oh, and you owe me. You don't owe me. I begged you for some seed of that, that, that heirloom um, that hard Seminole. shell Seminole. It, you got it. Is a Native American heritage thing. You can give me some seeds for it. I've got a Seminole in the fridge for you. I'm gonna leave it at that. Thanks, Shelly. <laughs> Thanks, Felder. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, okay. folks. I hope you enjoyed that uh, chat with Shelly Batiste from Crystal Springs, and also with uh, Shara and Jenny and Cecile. You know these women who have influenced me from my great grandmother to both my grandmothers to my mother to my daughter even. There's been so many wonderful influences on all of us. I chose these women because they are all diverse. They're from different places. They grow different things. They do them for different reasons. But they have all, in their way, inspired me and the community around them. Hope you've enjoyed that. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardener. We've been uh, talking about gardening. That's what we do every week here on MPB Fridays, rebroadcast on Saturday. Check out the podcast. Go to mpbonline.org and uh, click on the podcast and take it from there. Uh, it's been real fun this past year, getting dirty with all of y'all. People like uh, Chainsaw K up in Memphis, all the way down the Gulf Coast, enjoying learning about gardening with y'all and sharing what we all know. Again, me and Java and all the folks here at MPB, we appreciate the opportunity to garden with y'all and have a little fun and poke fun at ourselves and everybody around us. And uh, again, if you got questions during the week, shoot us an email, guarded at mpbonline.org. Meanwhile, if you get a chance, take a kid out, show them how to do what we do best, take them to a garden center, get them some bulbs or something, and let them know that it's okay to get dirty. See y'all next year. Thank you.